The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Yeah, and that's that's a guy I would give up a first round pick for. You know, trade eighth for eighth, but he's obviously established. We have to give up a little more. Ryan Sykes, LA Kings fan, but also writing about the Kings for Fan Sided's Rink Royalty, podcasting for Hockey Royalty Podcast, and writing about the Chicago Steel for Steel Hockey Report. Thanks for coming on and making time tonight. How are you doing? Hey, well, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, definitely. It's good to uh, kind of take a break from baseball. I've been doing a lot of Chicago baseball, getting kind of tired of the way the Cubs have been lately. Have you been uh, watching the Cubs lately? Uh, I've been kind of tired of the way they've been playing since 2018. <laughs> yeah, I had I, I had the game on just now and uh, down early, but regardless, we know what's happening in the near future. So anyway, it's kind of nice to, uh, I don't know, it's funny. I was kind of tired of, uh, so of course I'm a Blue Jackets fan and I was getting kind of tired of that season playing out the way it was, but I'm kind of looking forward to hockey season in the next, uh, I don't know, three months or so. But uh, it's cool to chat hockey with you. Yeah, we're less than like 100 days away already. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the offseason always goes so fast with the NHL, and we'll get into all that. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, talk about being a Kings fan, because you're from. are you from California originally? Uh, I was born there. So how did you get started with just writing for Rink Royalty? And of course, I guess the podcast is part of the uh, fan side of network, right? Yeah, so uh, actually, I started out at LA Sports Hub. It's kind of their conglomerate LA site, you know, similar to like the Windy, the Windy City or some of those other sites out there. That site actually got shut down. So then I saw that Rink Royalty needed a site editor. So I took that over last August or something like that. And California still has this weird bill. It's called the AB5 bill, where they limit the number of articles that their freelancers can write. And stuff like that. I'm sure you've heard about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was me for the longest time, but then I got a couple of other people to come along, you know, people that I didn't even expect, you know, just the applications came through and got two guys in Toronto, one's in upstate New York, one's in Nevada. So, but as far as the podcast, we started that up. It was like right at the beginning of the season. Uh, It was just another way to us to kind of, vent or or kind of a talk about you know the kings um in some other fashion than just writing yeah yeah definitely yeah podcasting is definitely a great outlet for sure and i definitely understand the venting as far as us on the blue jacket side we've definitely done our fair share of venting but as for the kings la was 21 28 and 7 for a 49 point season last year how did that season play out versus preseason expectations I think it pretty much went to plan. You know, they had a six-game win streak that kind of fooled us in there. But then uh, Martin Jones of the Sharks played like a Vesna candidate. You know, every seemed like every time we played him. Um, and then after the Jeff Carter trade, it was just pretty much downhill. I, I'd have to look at the team record, but it just it, it wasn't good. I mean, we got to see Byfield up for six games. Um, Quentin Byfield for. Anyone who wasn't aware of, but that was fun to watch. Um, it was fun to see kind of Cal Peterson, our goalie, come into his own and kind of claim that number one 
goalie spot with Jonathan Quick, I think, having two or three years left, and he'll certainly be exposed to Seattle here in the coming days. So uh, to kind of summarize, though, I mean, it, there were a lot of fun moments to it, but, yeah, it was uh, it kind of played out the way I think everyone thought it would. Yeah, I remember I was actually, in fact, I was just before we started recording, I was kind of going through a lot of your guys' articles and I was trying to find the preseason expectations and I, I saw where they were like just under the projected over under for the points. And so, like you said, they were kind of right there. Yeah, I think they had 53 or something like that as a projected. Yeah, maybe I just remember thinking like this team may not be a playoff team this year, but I feel like that potential is definitely right around the corner uh what's your I guess what's the vibe with the Kings uh, you kind of mentioned like Quinton Byfield but a lot of top prospects uh is it kind of I mean I know the offseason still has to play out but is it already kind of like the vibe is playoffs or bust or is it still kind of in that you know maybe contender not quite necessarily a playoff spot yet yeah so I mean uh the goal next season and Rob Blake said it too at the in his year-end exit conference but you know he said the team this year obviously wasn't good enough to make the playoffs but the goal next year is to make the playoffs um they've, uh, they've had a good start in acquiring victor arvidson for a second round pick this year and a third round pick next year um so he'll be added to the top six forwards but you saw rasmus kapari come up this year for eight nine games i can't remember uh, arthur kaliev came up for one game i, I just mentioned byfield for six you know, the next guy that's going to make his debut is Alex Turcott. You know, a lot of these Kings fans are waiting on the prospects to kind of fill out perhaps the bottom six and then start transitioning up to the top six as, you know, Kopitar starts reaching 35. Some of these other guys enter the twilight of their career. Dustin Brown will be uh, in his last year this season. So he'll probably either, I don't know if the Kings will extend him for a year or if he'll kind of ride off into the sunset. I don't know yet. Looking ahead to the expansion draft, I know you just mentioned um, one of the guys that could be exposed to Seattle, but who are kind of the candidates that could be off to Seattle or even like the favorites in your mind that you think might definitely has a good shot of leaving? I mean, I mentioned quick. I don't know if, I don't know if Seattle will take him. Just, he just didn't really, he hasn't had like three, Good seasons now, but one guy to keep an eye on is Kale Clegg. I think he is a 22-year-old defenseman, former uh, second-round draft pick with some offensive uh, capabilities from the blue line. And I think the Kings are going to go with the 7-3-1 method, so they're going to protect uh, Dowdy, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker along the blue line, so that'll leave Clegg open. They'll leave Dustin Brown exposed because he has one year left, and he'll be 37 in October or November, I can't can't recall another guy to watch is Carl Grundstrom, the guy they got in the, the Jake Muzzin trade with Victor Arvidsson being added to the roster. He's obviously going to be protected. You're not going to let him go. You just acquired him. Uh, so I think he is 22, 23, somewhere around there. I think he. I'm trying to recall his stats this past season. You know, I think Kings fans expected more from him. I want to say that he had uh, like 11 points or something like that in. Yeah, 11 points in 47 games. He showed a good amount of physicality. One of the games, I believe it was Bowen Byram's debut, he um, checked him into the board and flattened him pretty good. And I, I know that got a lot of Kings fans excited, but that's another guy to keep an eye on too. Yeah, he's 23 years old. So uh, those three guys would probably be my picks to, to go to Seattle. 
And with the NHL entry draft, like days after the expansion draft, who are the guys that you might be looking at in terms of guys the Kings might actually draft? Or is there, I guess, a specific, I mean, you would definitely know better than I would. What's the area of, of need that maybe the Kings are definitely targeting or that the fan base is even saying, yeah, we want maybe this guy or if there is a specific guy? Yeah, they really need a top-tier defenseman, especially from the, on the left side. This draft is uh, top-heavy in defenders. You know, you got the, the Brant Clark, um, Owen Power, Simone Edvinson. There's uh, there's others I haven't I haven't named, but I mean, when I run the mock draft in uh, Tankathon or FC Hockey or anything like that, they're all off the board by the Kings are picking at eight. So, uh, given that scenario, I would take the best player available, which is either probably Dylan Gunther or uh, Kent Johnson out of Michigan. I mean, if Will, William Eklund, if he falls to eight, that's a pretty easy decision for me. I'd take him in a heartbeat. But I also wouldn't be surprised, though, Will, if they if they trade away the eighth overall pick as part of a, a top forward an established top forward like a you know like a car uh, connor garland or uh, maybe not quite that tier but you know what i'm talking about yeah in fact i was just gonna say so i i was kind of checking off the twitter from i don't know if it was rink royalty or the hockey royalty one of the twitter accounts just kind of keeping up and seeing maybe the potential of like acquiring i'm just gonna throw out these big names i don't know if that's gonna happen of course but i know this was part of the poll was whether it was jack eichel sam yeah. reinhardt vladimir tarasenko do you think there's any chance the kings would acquire one of those guys or is that kind of unlikely at this point to even think or i don't think jack eichel just because of his neck situation i still don't think he's had surgery yet. i think i read a, an article that he's actually he's trying to get it fused or something like that and so i'm just I'd, I'd kind of steer clear of him and also his $10 million cap hit. You know, the Kings are in good shape with the salary cap right now, but they're also going to have a lot of these players that are on their ELCs at the exact same time and needing new con- new contracts at the exact same time. So, I mean, out of that poll that you saw, I, I personally, I like Sam Reinhart or Connor Garland to fill out the, the top six forwards. Yeah, I know the Tarasenko situation kind of uh, dropped a couple days ago, and he's upset over the short. I think it was a, the shoulder surgeries, yeah. and so that's an interesting scenario, also, because the Blues just won it all what three seasons ago uh, now. Yeah, I guess I think it was a twenty nineteen. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so it's um, interesting to see how they're going to play that situation, and then of course there's the Seth Jones trade that's probably going to come because we talked about this. I think Memorial Day we were bouncing around potential trade. scenarios and so like from the blue jacket standpoint it's always like they need a center they've only had what feels like a cup of coffee with guys like i mean they had pierre luke dubois for a good couple of seasons but he's gone Mm -hmm. uh ryan johansson for a couple of seasons but really they've never had a a true center and so outside of those guys and so we were always thinking like okay if we're gonna trade jones who do the kings have but you guys have guys that the Kings do not want to give up, of course, like Byfield, for instance. But uh, what's the vibe in your mind? And maybe especially once you have put that article out there on Seth Jones uh, and what maybe from the Kings side of things, what they would consider, you know, he would be worth to give up for if they were actually going to make that trade. Uh, well, he's got to get some assurance of signing a long-term extension. I think he has one year left on his deal before he becomes right. an unrestricted free agent. 
So that's key there. But yeah, they'd have to give up a, a first for him. And we kind of discussed maybe like one or two top prospects and maybe maybe more. It might be an NHL player as well, like an Adrian Kempe or something who's just hasn't been that consistent in LA. He put together a really solid season this past year, but um, I don't, his track record just doesn't <laughs> lend to believe that he's capable of continuing that. Uh, that. But, you know, another guy, uh, the vibes that I'm getting is people don't really want uh, a right shot defenseman because we're pretty set on that side. I mean, Matt Roy and Sean Walker aren't that, uh, they're not like offensive defensemen, but they're steady. You know, uh, we have a lot of young defensemen like a Mikey Anderson, Tobias Bjornfoot. I mentioned Clay earlier along the left side. So Kings fans really want Zach Wierenski. Mm. He's a restricted free agent, I believe. I think he's 23, uh, former eighth overall pick as well. Um, and, you know, obviously he'd come with a little more team control. Yeah, yeah, and with Seth Jones, like you said, UFA at the end of next season, and most likely, I think he'll be traded around the draft, most likely. It's funny because Jarmo Kikalainen was saying that he wouldn't mind, or he was not opposed, I guess, of going into the season kind of like as an Artemi Panarin 2.0 in terms of maybe we could still convince him to stay, but then they got John Davidson back after he was fired from the Rangers, and basically it was like, yeah, we're not going to do that, which I I mean, I'm like, you can't you can't go into the season with a guy who's going to leave. You have to get what you can for him. And it, it is tough because I think there are there are some reports out there that I believe that he actually would be or would consider an extension with certain teams. I don't know which ones specifically. Maybe the Avalanche being that he's from Colorado and of course they're all yeah, in to win it. And they're but, good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, that's definitely um that's definitely makes it tough when you know you're trying to trade a guy and get max value back but if you know the other team is looking at it like he's a rental especially a team like the kings who are just trying to uh you know they're not like stanley cup or bust yet whereas colorado might be like yeah we'll go all in so yeah it's definitely interesting and seth jones didn't have the greatest season uh, I think I, we've we've been kind of clamoring as far as you know Seth Jones should be a Norris candidate, and he hasn't had the best season in the last year or two. And I don't know whether the COVID stuff plays into it or just the craziness that's surrounded the NHL seasons lately. Whoever ends up getting him, I think he's going to be a huge asset for them. And of course, we'll see what happens once he's actually a free agent, assuming he does test UFA. I feel like with Seth Jones, there's kind of this narrative like in Columbus, we value him so high and then everyone else is kind of like, maybe he's overrated. <laughs> so it's kind of funny when you're trying to figure out what the barometer is on a guy like Seth Jones. Yeah. And I mean, I noticed that he kind of had a, a down year defensively too, but you know, the Blue Jackets also had a down year in terms of the team uh, from where they were, you know, a couple seasons ago. And I don't know, something interesting. And a lot of people put a, put a lot of stock into the plus minus thing, but he, he and Zach Wierenski had a, I can't remember the combined plus minus, but it was pretty notable in the, in the negative, uh, direction. I mean, what do you kind of attribute to that? Is it just the, the forwards not being able to score? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know there were situations where they mixed up the defensive pairings and they didn't have those two together. And I'd have to look at maybe the situation or like those those games. But 
Yeah, there were some... Like, I think this past season, like, Wierenski was definitely, like, the better of the two. Had a really good season. Of course, I think it was not this past season, but the year before, he was scoring a lot, putting up points. And Tortorella was definitely mixing up defensive pairings. And sometimes, like, there was a while there where Wierenski and Jones were not together... And they were trying to figure out the right combination or like when they had David Savard, he might have been a little bit higher up in the pairings. And then they had Vladislav Gavrikov, who's been a really good defenseman since he entered the league a couple of years ago. And it's funny because the Blue Jackets, I always I think the Blue Jackets strength has always been lately in goaltending and defense. Yeah. The blue line. But they've taken a hit there just because they've let. Well, Ryan Murray was always injured. When healthy, he was really good, but he got mm-hmm. traded to the, the uh, Devils. Devils, yeah. Nudavara had a down season two years ago. He got traded to Florida. And then you mentioned Varensky. So I think a lot of us are really thinking that Detroit is in his future because he's from, you know, he's from Michigan. He's best friends with um, yeah. Larkin, Dylan Larkin. Him and Larkin are tight. And so I think the, the scenario that we all think is going to happen is that he might try to go to Detroit. And that's another guy I'm thinking if this team's not going to be any good for a couple of years, you probably need to trade Wierenski while he has that control to see what you can capitalize on and not let it get to like Seth Jones now. Yeah. And that's, that's a guy I would give up a first round pick for, you know, trade eighth for eighth, but he's obviously established. We have to give up a little more. <laughs> yeah. See, and Wierenski's like, he's the, one of those guys. So of course he can score and enjoy. And when John Tortorella was the coach, Part of his thing was letting defensemen like Jones and Wierenski get into the rush and score. And maybe they get burned defensively, but they make up for it offensively. It'll be interesting to see how Brad Larson, being the coach now, how he's going to run things. I assume Wierenski is still going to have that reign to kind of score like he could. When we were thinking about potential trades in the past, we were wondering, do you trade a guy like Wierenski for a an elite forward? Because... Scoring is always an issue for Columbus when they didn't. I mean, when they had guys like Panarin, that mm-hmm. was one thing. They don't have that. It's like, do you give up a guy like Gorensky to get that forward? But then it's kind of like now, with the blue line being a little bit more depleted compared to years past, you don't really want to give up Gorensky either, unless, of course, you have to, knowing that he might leave in a couple of years too. So. Right, right. Yeah, no, I totally understand that talking about with Seth Jones and like we were we were thinking like all right Quentin Byfield probably not gonna happen but maybe Alex Turcotte yeah when you uh wrote that piece about those trade uh scenarios I remember looking at some of the comments and uh what was like if that trade were going to go down who do you think the Kings or what would, what, what would the fans be okay with giving up for a guy like Jones Ooh, that's a tough if one. you remember <laughs> yeah I try not to read the comments well I'll be honest with you <laughs> I mean, what I what I get the sense is that you know, I think fans are kind of prepared to, I guess, for lack of a better word, part with Alex Turcott. You know, uh, we haven't we got also down there Akil Thomas, um, Tyler Madden. Uh, it's all these centerman prospects. So many of them are going to have to move to the wing if they want to come up to the NHL, which is easier than going from wing to center, but. It's still an adjustment period, and some of those spots are occupied right now. Yeah, from the Blue Jackets' perspective, it was the other way around. They were trying to put like Nick Foligno <laughs> and Boone Jenner yeah. at center, and uh, it was just, oh, man. 
Pure, and the funny thing is, I saw that you actually had an article uh, earlier in the year about whether the Kings should go after Pierre-Luc Dubois or Patrick Laine. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, since you were traded for the other. Yeah, what was your thoughts when, when the whole Dubois saga <laughs> was playing out and, and when you were thinking maybe the Kings could get one of those guys? Uh, was there ever really... I don't remember specifically, but it sounds like the Kings were in on Dubois or at least had interest in yeah. him. Did you ever think there was a serious shot that they might actually make that trade? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, and that was weird to see them get, like you said, get traded for each other. Uh, yeah. Do you think Line stays in Columbus? See, that's a good question because I saw a tweet. Now, I think it was um, or an article, I guess, that was, it was on Twitter anyway. But um, I guess it was written in, was it Finnish? And it was like loosely translated, but it sounded like Line likes the situation or um, had a good good time. Had a I, I think he liked Columbus for whatever that's worth. Now we hear players say that all the time, mm-hmm. and then they leave as soon as they can. But it's <laughs> a good question because right now the way the team is kind of constructed, to me, it's a rebuild that's happening basically, and I think. If there's any trade out there, if that means trading line A for the betterment of the future, especially if he's only going to be around for a year or so with the contract and stuff, I guess it comes down to what they trade him because it, it fits something else that they're trying to do and they're worried that he's going to leave. But I don't know. It's so hard to say because that's part of the other issue. And I think the media is starting to turn the attention towards the Blue Jackets have an issue keeping players and Line is still really young. I, mean, I know. He's been in the league he already for a 22, while. 22, 23, somewhere around there. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's so tough to say because, you know, we've been trying to figure out how do you keep players. We know Columbus isn't New York City. It's not Chicago. It's not L.A. But it's still, I mean, I used to live there. I had, you know, it's been a while now. But it, it is a great town. But. I get why players may not want to stay for whatever the reason is. And maybe Tortorella, I think a lot of players do like Tortorella and did like Tortorella, but maybe that his style, even if it's not the Tortorella dynamic, maybe it's just the style of play doesn't translate towards today's game. I don't know. I think, I think line a might could stay. I could also see them trading him in this off season too. Cause Yarmo yeah. is so Yarmo is so, um, he's hard to read. I mean, I never saw the Panarin trade happening when that did. And the funny thing is, I never, when they got Brandon inside, I had nothing. There was just some weird instinct I had where I was like, I wonder if they're going to trade him. And sure enough, they did only to get Panarin, which I didn't see. So I don't know. Someone uh, in the athletic, Aaron Portsline, oh, who yeah. covers mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets for the athletic. He was doing like a mailbag thing and someone asked him about line A and basically I think it was, do you think he'll be back? And he said, no, didn't say anything else. Just no. So I don't know the way the team is right now. I think they're going to do whatever they can to hopefully improve this thing for the long run. And if it means trading line A for something, I could probably see it, but I don't know. I'd like to see him in a different system. I mean, John Torrella gets a bad rap and I'd like to see him, in a different uh, system before giving up on him. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think obviously we've seen the guys score goals at will, and they need that, and he's the guy to do that if they can. You know, I know like in Winnipeg, it sounded like he just had kind of just a bad situation around him. Like it sounded like, for lack of a better 
phrasing or word. It was, it sounded like certain players in the jets kind of ran things and not to say line a was bullied or anything, but it just sounded right. like it wasn't the greatest, uh, I don't know, chemistry, but, or just the greatest situation. So, um, I think he embraced kind of the opportunity to be in Columbus and he can run the show there. And then of course, it just it just depends like who's gonna who is gonna have around them on the roster. But Oliver Bjorkstrand, Cam Atkinson. Well, I'm trying to think of guys who can help Line A get the puck. I remember in Winnipeg, apparently there was a rap on Line A was that he was selfish or um, yeah, he wasn't a great passer. But he started to uh, kind of improve in that area. So if they can let him do his thing and just try to score goal, what, just let him play his offensive game. Mm-hmm. I think he could thrive. Yeah. You got to surround him with better players. Cause I think he played with Mark Shifley up in Winnipeg, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it could be another reason why he's not producing as much. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. And yeah, when you go to Columbus, you're kind of, it's a, it's a drop off in terms of the skill offensive skill around you. But if I had, to, if I had to say right now, would he sign a long-term deal in Columbus? I mean, I, he says he has some time to, go before he would have to come to that that situation it's hard to say yes that that would happen just because we don't see it very often where guys do that but and i also think about it too in the terms of if this team's a rebuild or if it's just not a good if it's not a contender right away you yeah. probably wouldn't sign a long-term deal because why hamstring yourself to a team that's not looking to win right away sure but um, I, I, it sounded like he had a positive experience there for what that's worth. And when, when Brad Larson was introduced as the head coach, he was one of the players that was there in person at the, the press conference. Okay. So, which was interesting because players didn't have to be there and he was. And, uh, I think he was, I think it was, uh, Larson that line, they got into a, like a screaming match with just after he got the Columbus in the middle of a game against the hurricanes. <laughs> so it's like, okay, maybe he doesn't have a problem with Larson. Maybe he would stick around and stay. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You just don't know right now. It's too early. Well, but I was curious about, I was looking at the Kings and like you said, the, the they have a lot of salary cap space right now, but Anze, Anze Kopitar, Drew Dowdy are both over 30. And they are signed for a lot more years and mm-hmm. a lot more committed money. Uh, are you concerned about those deals, or is it kind of like these guys were part of this Stanley Cup run that we had? They deserve to get paid, and we'll deal with that, you know, four and five years from now. Uh, yeah, I mean, those guys definitely deserve to get paid for the, the what they did before they got those massive contracts. Um, as far as production, I think Kopitar would be just fine until he's into his mid-30s when yeah. his contract expires. Drew Doughty had kind of a bounce back here um, this year from the previous two seasons. You know, they brought in Ole Mata from the Chicago Blackhawks, who was expected to be um, on the top pairing with Doughty. I think he lasted all of three or four games before um, Todd McClellan called it like a, a, a reset to learn the system a little more. So he... I think he only played a handful more games up there with Drew Doughty, but they found success with 21-year-old Mikey Anderson, uh, who was a fourth-round pick a few years ago. Uh, played six games at the end of 2020 before that was shut down and played in 54 games this past season. I think he had a goal and 10 assists off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, you kind of let Doughty – be the offensive puck mover that he is while Mikey Anderson takes care of the back end. The, the two just kind of really worked out together. And um, I thought 
uh, of course I'll say this, but uh, I thought Dowdy deserves some uh, Norris Trophy consideration for sure. You know, especially when some of the guys that were on the the bottom of that that list that received even like fifth place votes, he had more points than them. But I mean, I think there were only two non-playoff guys, and Adam Fox was one of them. Yeah, and it was Fox that won it, right, with the Rangers. Fox, oh, it was Fox and Chickren that were both on there. The other guys were all playoff. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when it comes to uh, the the, uh, the Norris, just in general. Not nothing. I mean. I'm just thinking about this in general. When it comes to the Norris, it's like, I feel like it does come down to guys that put up a lot of points and they may not even be the best defense, like defensive players. Now right. it, it is funny when, um, sometimes I see certain guys that have won and it's like, are they doing this just based on the points that they put up? Yeah. Or, you know, you kind of compare it to, you know, is it because their team is this good? You know, yeah. Adam Fox is kind of the outlier this year because right. he was pretty darn good. And the Rangers obviously didn't make the postseason. They were pretty darn, they were pretty close. Um, yeah. But yeah, usually it's, you know, <laughs> it's a guy on a, a team that's a, a first place team or something like that, which I mean, kind of contributes to them being in first place and uh, originally, but you know what I'm saying. How did you like this past season in terms of obviously no one likes the circumstances for why they had to do it this way, but did you like the kind of these sort of like baseball two game series type things, the back to backs that is, did you like that? Or are you looking forward to getting back to the regular, not only 82 game season, but just of course seeing everybody in the league again, but did you kind of like the rivalry home and home or not even home and home, but back to back type scenario? I, I did and I did not, and I'll tell you why. Because the 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 baseball stuff, you got to see some of these uh, rivalries come out, and yeah. I really started to hate the Minnesota Wild before the end of the season. Now, I think the first two games they played uh, played us, um, Kaprizov stole the puck in his own zone or in in the King zone in the opening game and scored past quick to win. Following night, uh, I can't remember. Was it Johansson? I can't remember. Scored with like two seconds left on the clock that uh, put it, sent it to overtime. Uh, and then the, the Wild won it in overtime. So, in that sense, the, you saw kind of these rivalries get brought out. And then also later in Minnesota, Sean Walker took a puck to the face. Matt Roy was boarded into the boards by um, Kevin Fiala. They're both in the same game, by the way. Um, so you got to see some of these rivalries come out and they get a little bit chippy at times. But um, as far as, you know, I'm in Chicago, so I was, uh, yeah. staying up. All those games were primarily, you know, nine o'clock starts uh, for me. So it was tough being up till 1230 and you try to write something about it afterwards. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> so maybe yeah. maybe I'll just wait till the morning. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Whenever I would do the recaps for, like, the Blue Jacket games, I was always writing as it was playing out. But I always liked to do the GIFs when I could so that I could. I I used to make the GIFs, and then I kind of got lazy. And luckily, like, Allison Lucan does those, and I would just copy and put those in the article. But, yeah, I was curious, too. So uh, I'll give you the backstory. So, And I think you guys, and I'm sure everybody's doing this in general, but we have been doing our off-season articles, of, of, of course, been, like, draft preview and things like that and so i just did one that went up today on matthew coronado mm-hmm. of course with the chicago steel and we were talking about him earlier and yeah. you know him very you're familiar with him of course writing for the steel i don't know if you mentioned it first how did you uh 
I mean, I know you're in Chicago, but how'd you start writing for the steel? Well, kind of my backstory with that is we were given access to the Kings, uh, zoom calls this past season. Mm -hmm. Nice. But, um, still potential for us to have that media access this year, but it'd be in person only. We got starting to, we got a guy in California that can go there, but I don't know how reliable or, or I shouldn't say reliable. Consistent is probably the better word. He can go at every game or uh, even the practices, you know, the, the zooms are so much easier. I could sit there at work and just listen and then download and pull the, the quotes later. Um, so where I'm going with that is I liked covering that aspect of the team you know the quotes and what players and coaches all had to say i was like well i'm interested in like covering a local team as well but there are 50 million sites about the blackhawks out there right now yeah, so i do right. follow them i went to the the 2015 stanley cup parade but i was like you know the steel don't really have anything out there and i just kind of traded some emails with their pr person and uh, we actually talked on the phone for like a half hour and he's like, you know, what you're doing, no one else is really doing. We don't have like a beat writer. So it's like we can, um, however you want the upcoming season to look, we can format it that way. It's not, it's not really this, the same as uh, the NHL where they have um, practice Zoom calls and stuff like that. They have the YouTube and stuff like that post game, but it's usually like just one or two people, you know, um, the, the broadcaster and somebody else. But He's like, what we can do is we could have the coach call you like once a week and you could ask your questions and get your quotes, stuff like that. So I really like that aspect. And obviously they're close to me. I live in, in Yorkville and they're in Geneva. It's not that far of a drive for me if I want to go catch a game and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of where it led me. Yeah, that's awesome because I, I feel the same way. Now, of course, I'm in Virginia, so I'm closer to the Caps, and I've thought in the past, maybe I can get like a credential one day just to do like the Blue Jackets or whatever. But And then, of course, with Zoom, because of COVID, I'm thinking, well, I wonder if they'll still be doing Zoom. Maybe I can do a, a game once, but uh, that's really cool. I think it's cool that you're doing the steal because you're kind of like the main, maybe one of the main people now doing that. But also, you get to see future, potentially future NHLers like Coronado, yep. who lit up like i just learned about him because i don't i'm <laughs> i feel like a lot of hockey fans that i know specifically not only do they watch the nhl i feel like they're watching all the international games or they know all the prospects and i really i wish i could say that i do keep up or follow it as closely but i really don't but i've been able to learn a lot about these potential draft prospects that we've been reviewing or previewing and Coronado was the one I had, and I was like, wow. First off, I can't even say that I know a lot about the USHL, but they're really on the NHL's radar in terms of prospects. And so when I saw that he scored a ton of goals and put up a lot of points this past season, it's not like that's a fluke. Like, he's a legit scorer. All the all the quotes and the athletic and all the people that were mm -hmm. talking about him are like, yeah, this guy is the real deal. And you said the same thing earlier. So what, what can you say about Coronado? And I mean, like I said, great offensive player all over the ice. Yeah, he uh, really benefited. I mean, uh, he grew in his own sense, but he really benefited from having Sean Farrell come back, who was supposed to play at Harvard this past season, but Ivy League canceled all their stuff. Oddly enough, the two and two other Steel guys are going to be playing, all four guys are going to be playing together at Harvard next year. But Coronado, you watch him on film, he wasn't, he's not the fastest guy, but he never gives up on a play. He's just like, he's a pesky player that he's going to go get the puck turns around and he could score 
like I sent you a couple of uh, those clips that I've been collecting throughout the season and stuff like that. You know, the one where he darted across the middle is like what Jeff Carter used mm. to do for the Kings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I'm not comparing the apples to apples, but that's just who we were. What that particular play reminded me of, you know, a very good player, not the fastest, but never gives up on a play and it goes into the dirty areas of the ice. I, I feel like in my mind, in terms of for the draft, I feel like the Blue Jackets, no, I don't know, but I just feel like if they can get a center, that's probably their first area of what they would look to to fill and then defense. But uh, I think it was that. No, it was the last player that I did a preview of. And I put in a poll question. I put, would you go defense center or just all around best player? And the reason I put all around best player was because I doubt this would happen. I don't think they need a goalie, but I was like, what if they drafted a goalie because they thought he was the best player, you know, whatever. I feel like the blue jackets especially could go a, number of ways and if they got a guy like coronado i don't know that they would they're the fifth they had the fifth uh pick so they could probably mm-hmm. get i don't know brant clark or whoever that's another guy i wrote about right. but yeah coronado sounds like a guy that could really i guess any prospects dicey you never really know but it sounds like he would be the real deal yeah and maybe at five i would probably trade down to yeah. someone in the 11 to 15 range yeah that wanted him right I've seen him linked to obviously he's a lo- his local playing mm-hmm. here, but uh, he's been linked to the Blackhawks yeah. uh, on a few occasions like that. So they have, they have the eleventh overall pick. So I mean that's kind of I've seen him from <laughs> seen him from eleven to like the early twenties. Yeah, yeah, the Blackhawks. I think I saw as well, and I think it was like an athletic article. Yeah, I was just thinking. I remember they were yeah. saying that you know not only does he score from all over, but he can help on the power play, and I'm like. Columbus could use all of this. They could use the scoring. They could use this. I mean, there's so much that you almost can't go wrong. My question, of course, and this could probably apply to every team, but especially if me mm-hmm. and Columbus and a new coaching, a new rookie coaching staff, because Larson is a former AHL coach and he's been an assistant in the NHL for years, but never an NHL coach before. They have two new assistants who have never been NHL coach. You know, they're all relatively inexperienced. So I'm thinking, I just hope that these guys can really develop these guys that are kind of come up of course certain guys may not be on the nhl level right away anyway they might be in cleveland or somewhere else but my main thing is they may not win on the ice most nights but they better at least be developing this next hopefully this next core that will be ready to win in a couple of years and you want them to be watchable too because we're kind of in the same scenario too you know there was most of the games this year against the avalanche were pretty competitive but the last i think played them in the last two games of the season but i think it was like a four to one and six to nothing final yeah just like oh my gosh this is this is unbearable see the blue see it's funny because when it comes to me in sports um i never used to really think about like i used to think i don't care how ugly or pretty it is just win but the blue jackets are known for this defensive uh gritty boring style of hockey and i think we would all be happy if it was a little bit more exciting. Maybe they lose 5-4, but just show that they have offense because this team has had no offense lately. And it's like we would love to see – I mean, not to say we don't want defense. We want to see them play well defensively and have great goaltending, but we also want to see the offense. We want, we want this team to be fun, right. a fun watch. 
of course, also be good. And you mentioned that you were at the Blackhawks 15 Stanley Cup parade. So mm-hmm. are you, do you consider yourself a Hawks fan also, or is it just because they were local? I, yeah, I do. I do like them. Yeah, I, ha- I have to like them. They're in the paper and stuff like that. I read about them. And, you know, uh, that if you remember that parade was at uh, the rally was at Soldier Field when the Chicago mayor had the bright idea to put free tickets on uh, Ticketmaster for first come, first serve. And the site crashed, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was it like watching some of those playoff series between the, the Hawks and the Kings? Oh, it was tough. I think what twelve and in uh or thirteen and fourteen. They both they were in the Western Conference. You know, it's kinda like, all right, sweet. I got uh, an invested interest in in the finals still, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, especially in uh twenty fourteen. Um yeah. I'm sorry, excuse me, twenty thirteen. I think when Kane knocked him out. Well, Ryan, it was really awesome to have you on. Chat LA Kings, NHL in general. We covered a ton. Really, uh, really appreciate you taking time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Will. This was this was great. Three, two, one, zero, zero.